Hello everyone, I'd like to welcome you to the Redemption 10P podcast where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. My name is Warren Williams and today I'm joined by ministry intern AC. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. How you doing? Good, good. You know, in the midst of the summer, it's been a, a little bit um, time. Yeah, it's been it's been hot. It's been hot, definitely. If you're in Arizona, you know, we've reached 120, 100 plus degrees. You know, I've been here for two and a half years, almost. I'm still not used to this, man. Not at all. It's just bad. Every summer, the Lord calls me someplace else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for those of you who have uh, stuck it out and haven't moved to Colorado or California, <laughs> uh, kudos to you, props to you. Um, and, you know, we give up a couple of months during the year, uh, or we have a couple of months a year for 80 degrees for most of it. So we win at the end <laughs> but uh yeah what i was gonna say it's been a little bit of time between these podcasts but um you know we definitely want to keep um you know talking through the true story project that's well, it's pretty much coming to a close man yeah it's almost been a full year since we've started it um you know there's been a lot of community built from it and uh, i just think a deeper understanding of the true story um has been gained by you know just our uh, uh ability to go through you know even those tough books sometimes early on and kind of understand them and understand where they fit in yeah yeah so uh today uh we're going to be discussing the book of james and this is a this is a very interesting book awfully quoted right very Mm -hmm. much quoted um you know it talks about faith and works and um there's probably some misunderstanding or even some uh they may i think this book also is another book that may lend itself to um, unnecessary controversy, yeah. you know, unnecessary controversy um, about justification, and we'll get into some of that. Uh, but you know, here on this podcast, we always like to start things off, uh, uh, you know, just a lot of it, a little interesting, right? A little interestingly, and kind of get us, uh, and hopefully get you at home, uh, wherever you're listening to this thinking. So James is very, uh, you know, I would just say like he can be come off as a little abrasive, you know, or forceful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's very forceful. Yeah, you in your face. Yeah, man. yeah, he's in your face, and he's challenging you, and he was challenging, you know, um, the Jewish Christians at that time uh, to to really consider how they were living within their culture, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think in our lives, and, you know, as uh, those of us who are believers, there's been someone in our lives who has been the James of our lives, right, who have yeah. challenged us on many things or challenge us like you know if if, if they're uh you know if we're 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 saying something and our actions aren't aligning with what we're saying they're the ones to be like yay you know what hold on one second you know and those you know those people sometimes it's uncomfortable or many times it's uncomfortable but those people actually challenge us they help us grow they help us to uh, uh you know consider um our uh our actions Right. So, um, you know, you see who are some people in your life who have played that role of James and have challenged you and confronted you um, and probably left you feeling a little comfortable. Maybe you wanted to avoid them for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely important for all of us to have those James type people and at times be those James type people in other people's lives. I think a memorable time for me was when I was a, a young Christian, a brand new Christian going on a mission trip to Africa. And, uh, we had been given very strict rules and I kept kind of skirting the rules and I won't get into the specifics, but no, let's thing. get into the specifics. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, little things here and there, but it was just yeah. like a, a consistent pattern of like just kind of skirting the rules and being disobedient. I remember when the pastors pulled me aside 
And he, and this is a dude who like everything he said, he always had a smile on his face. He always could make any a joke out of anything. So just a very mellow, laid back dude. So I was not expecting this. This dude pulled me out of the hotel room in Africa and looked at my face with no smile and was like, "Look, if you can't learn to be obedient, you will never become a pastor." Wow. And I, and it just really shook me, man. And and I, and I learned in that moment like there are no shortcuts to obedience. You know, and that wow. was a big James level moment uh, for me, anyway. Yeah, I remember. Uh you know, when I first moved here and kind of the uh, my first beginnings within a community, you know, I had some brothers, um, one in particular, who just kind of took me under their wing and um, just, you know, uh, uh, explained or sh- and showed more than explained. They lived out biblical manhood to me. Right. So uh, I remember when I was uh, before I was dating my current fiance, you know, I was like kind of. You know, you know how it is, man. You know, you get stuck in some bad habits, man. You know, hopping around or uh, not hopping around, but just talking to many girls at once and, you know, just just misleading. Yeah. You know, and that's that's that's, you know, no way for a believer to live. Um, and, you know, I had one who kind of really challenged me on that, man. He was like, uh, you know, what are you looking for? What do you look? What are you looking to find your wholeness in? Mm you know and uh you know he's like you're already complete and that really changed my whole uh paradigm when it comes to dating and relationships and um it uh, uh it, it really helped me it really made me examine myself and look back at my life and you know see how and whether it be dating or something else you know a lot of times we use these things to fill voids where we feel empty Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that was very helpful. And um, like AC said, you know, even, you know, we've had those James in our lives and we also have to be those James in other people's lives and, you know, talk truth when it's hard. Yeah. So um, we're going to move right along into uh, the book of James here. Um, not extensively long book, so we're not looking at a specific chapter in this occasion or passage like we normally do. Um, you know, but overall, we're in the section of the New Testament called the epistles. So, AC, can you kind of just tell us how these uh, epistles fit into the true story? Yeah, for sure. And we talked about this before on previous podcasts, just that when you think of the Bible as a whole story, it starts with creation and Genesis. All things are good. The fall happens and completely tears apart society and all of creation and our individual relationship with God as well and our relationships with each other just completely destroyed. So God is on mission to reconcile all of creation, to bring back things the way that they were always meant to be. In fact, even better. Um, So he calls Abraham and then through Abraham, he calls the people of Israel. He gives them the land, the law, and he, he, he calls them to live as a people that show the rest of the world who God is. Ultimately, they fail in that, but Christ comes as promised and he fulfills Israel's calling, which is to be that, that, that the savior of the world. And so after he does that, the life, death, and resur- his resurrection, he then uh, regathers Israel. He shapes a community of people that, like we're seeing in Acts, the launch of that new community of people. Um, and the epistles come after that. And so the epistles are letters written to specific congregations with specific issues on how to live out the Christian faith now that we're in this part of the story mm. where Christ has come, regathered his community, launched the kingdom, and we're waiting for the fullness of the kingdom to come. Uh, so that's where we are in the, the general yeah. part of the story. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think it's 
let's even take a step back epistles right they're like letters mm-hmm. so they're letters to uh, they're letters by let's say actual pastors right to yeah. congregations yeah. and to people groups you know not systematic theology which is the way we read them yeah a lot of times and like i said we'll get into that and you know get into like what james or whether we're talking about james or paul like what they were actually doing they weren't writing a textbook right <laughs> for seminarians you know they're they're pastors writing letters um to people or uh, to different congregation or churches and uh really challenging those people in uh you know how to, or, or really writing about how the gospel challenges those people in their context. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, what type of literature are, are the epistles? Like, so what is unique about James? So James is a different, it's a different animal. You read it a little bit differently than, than normal epistles. Usually epistles, like I said, they're very specific documents, uh, what scholars call occasional and not like they were written every now and then, but right. that they're, they are written to address a specific occasion. Mm. Um, James is not like that though. James is more like Proverbs in the sense that he's giving general sayings of wisdom right. to the people at large, as opposed to like very contextual specific, uh, situations. And so, um, that's the thing when you when you read when you read uh, James, you want to keep that in mind. Like, okay, I'm, it's sort of like a mix between Proverbs and Sermon on the Mount. Hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of wisdom in there, um, and uh, just some uh, uh, good points and helpful, uh, uh, I guess, challenges to help us uh, uh, consider how we're living as as believers. Consider how you know they were living as believers. So um, definitely, you can read. Uh, a lot of the things that James is writing similarly to Proverbs, you know, as he talks about uh, count, you know, one of my favorite, uh, I guess, scriptures or passages within James was just, um, you know, count trials as joy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so applicable today. Sometimes when we're going through things, it's so hard to just see the bad in it and not see the way that it's actually shaping us. Yeah. So um, let's get into it, though. Who was James? You know, a lot of, he's very popular or maybe not as known as he was, you know, as when he was writing. So, like, who was James? You know, we know he's a half-brother of Jesus. What else? Yeah, plot yeah. twist, his name wasn't James. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. Well, let me say it this way. So, like, in the Greek, yeah. his name is actually a transliteration of the Hebrew word Yaakov or okay. Jacob. So it's weird. It tripped me out, man. I didn't know that. James yeah, I didn't Jacob know that. The same, I didn't same know that. Name. So, anyways, but no, James was. Uh, James, yeah, he was a half brother of Jesus. When Peter left Jerusalem, most scholars believe that Jacob rose to prominence as a leader in that first early church in Jerusalem. It's mostly Jewish people, Messianic Jews, the first Christian community ever. They fell on hard times when he was a leader. Uh, There was a famine that led to great poverty. They were also persecuted, as we see in the book of Acts, uh, by Jewish people who didn't accept Christ. Um, And so he was just a really key leader in the early tough times of the church in Jerusalem. In fact, he lost his life eventually, was martyred, Um, I think. Um, we don't know for sure, but tradition says that they threw him off the uh, the temple mount. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah I mean, and, and so then he's writing this letter and most people think it's like a summary of like maybe his best sermons or like James' greatest hits. It's like his <laughs> legacy of wisdom, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think one thing that uh, I remember Mike Goheen had um, 
told us is that, you know, a lot of times we in our present day see Paul as, you know, the I guess the most prominent or greatest church leader then, but it was actually James. James, yeah. Yeah, so that was really interesting and um uh, yeah, just kind of a cool fact to know there. So, um, you know, we're looking into the book of James. I guess what would you or how would you summarize it? What are you know, what what is it? What is it saying? Sure. So, yeah, it's uh, there, there are a lot of loose collections of, of, of general teachings. Not everything is connected like a um, like a Romans where Paul is making one long argument and it all flows together. James is like, when you read Proverbs, Proverbs is hardcore. It's like verse by verse right. is a completely right. different thing. But James bang, has bang. like, yeah. yeah, James has like these sections where he kind of muses on things. But to summarize it, I would say the first chapter really sets the tone for the rest of the book. It introduces all the main ideas, the key words, mm. um, like the word perfect is repeated seven times. And this word perfect is not referring to like sinless perfection, but rather to wholeness. Just kind of you were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. A completely integrated life where your words and actions are always consistent with who you are in Christ. Mm. And the thing is, we all are more compromised than we like to admit. Mm. You know, we say that we believe the truth. We say that we believe the gospel. But there are areas of our lives where we're inconsistent. Wow. And yeah. so God is on a mission to make us consistent to heal us, to take us from broken, fragmented people to whole people that completely and clearly reflect his image. So this book is an assortment of teachings and sayings that address the areas where we most often don't have our faith and our actions lining up, like lying, talking about people behind their back, yeah. divisions caused by wealth and social status, showing favoritism as opposed to love. You know, we tend to show favoritism to people who can help us, and then we neglect those who can't help us, usually because right. they're perceived as like needy and clingy. Right, right. right. So a lot right. of these so common no areas where partiality. we partiality. Yeah, we show yeah. partiality. A lot of partiality. Yeah. Yeah, and these are areas where yeah. we all struggle with, no matter right. what culture and time you right. live in. Right. Um, and so that's what James is hitting on. That's really, I would say, is a summary of the book yeah it's really interesting um you know that a lot of the the things that james uh you know is talking about writing about is still so present yes still so present you know you talk about the division between wealth and social status yeah Man, i mean that's just i mean that's even amp more amplified today you know it's a lot it, it, it's it's uh, a cause for a lot of you know discussion and um uh, uh just it's just so present, you know, it's ever so present in our current day. Um, and, you know, the same thing about uh, favoritism and love, you know, a lot of times we fall into that trap of, uh, you know, running away from those people who are uncomfortable for us. Yeah. Right. It's it's and the gospel is constantly challenging uh, us on that and, uh, you know, um, uh, really convicting us or should be convicting us to really consider how we're living. Um, so also we all, we always like to go through some reading strategies for James, just so that we're, you know, placing it within the proper context and really understanding, like, like I said, where it fits into the story. So what are some helpful strategies for James? Yeah, I'll say a couple of things. Um, kind of alluded to this before. First, I would say, think of it as a Proverbs remix. So read this like you would read the proverb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and again, just to remind everybody um, about Proverbs is that Proverbs is wisdom literature. Right. And wisdom literature is a deliberate reflection on life hmm. to show people how to live before God. It's, it's the question, okay, we're God's missional people. God's on mission to restore all of creation. He's chosen us as his people to partner with him in this mission. 
how do we how do we do that? Because a list of commandments isn't sufficient to know how to navigate through all of life's complexities. You know, in such a way that we yeah. as a community of God's people can stay faithful to our calling as lights of the nations. A list of commandments couldn't possibly address every situation. Right. Even we know that even in our own culture where our laws are so convoluted and complicated exactly. and have to like anticipate every single yeah. situation that can happen. It's not possible. So, right. Yeah, the legal books are so long. Yeah. Right, right. So we need wisdom literature where it's general things that are true that we need to listen to and think about in yeah. order to be faithful to live as God's people. Um, I would say the the next thing is, um, you know, that James is written after the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. So it's like Proverbs 2.0 with a splash of servant on the mount flavor, you know. So and, and I say that, but really, if you read James, a lot of what he says echoes directly back to the Sermon on the Mount. Hmm. A lot of what he says. Yeah. When he says, like, faithful works is out dead. I'm thinking Jesus in Matthew 7 where he says, those who say, Lord, Lord may not enter the kingdom right. because you didn't do the things that I said. You know, when we talk about um, adultery and murder, James hits on those themes. When you talk about the heart behind the law, James hits on a lot of those things. So, you know, it can be helpful if you really want to dig into it to refer back to the Sermon on the Mount, to hmm. see where are the similarities and where James alludes to that and read both side by side and get a fuller understanding of what's being said. The other thing I would say that's very, very important is to avoid an individualistic interpretation. Oh, man. It is yeah. so easy to read James and think about, okay, how do I have a better relationship with God? And that's what James is talking hmm. about. No, James is exclusively focusing on how we treat each other. You know, his whole thing is you say you love God, but then your brother is in need and you tell him, well, be be warm and feel. Yeah, be warm. Yeah. 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 You know, faith I'll pray for you. Yeah, I'll pray for you. You know, I got a yeah. bunch of food in the fridge. Yeah. You're hungry, but I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. You know, and so that's interpersonal relationships. Right. That's how we live as a community. And that's what James is addressing. So when you read the words of James and you get from section to section to these areas in our lives where we're often inconsistent in living out the gospel, don't think of them as how can I improve my personal piety think of it how can i improve the healthy community in which i live wow yeah and i think that is just so helpful and um yeah it's just it's just so helpful and a lot of times like you'll you know, we'll take a lot of these things and say oh okay well this is what i have to do to be good or this is you know this is what's going to make me you know a better believer but just thinking about it as like you know, uh, we always talk about it in redemption. Our faith is horizontal and vertical, right? So as we're reading James, like we're thinking of those horizontal aspects, you know, how can, um, you know, how can we better love our brothers? How can we better seek out those people in need and uh, be Jesus to them or be, you know, uh, 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 you know, just help them in their times of need. So um, I, I love that James is challenging that and it's so appropriate for our culture today it's, it's, it's really appropriate so um one thing we kind of talked about or alluded to in the beginning of the podcast was um you know james is talking a lot about works here right mm -hmm. faith and works so he, like you said he says faith without works is dead and for some people they're like whoa we don't need works like there's nothing our works are like dirty rags you know yeah. like, oh, there's nothing that we can do to be right so it's like there's they they create this uh, division between what James is saying and what Paul is saying and uh, maybe see it as them two contradicting each other. But like, how can we respond to that criticism? Yeah, I mean, I know uh, I know we alluded to Goheen right. and his comments on James and Paul. I know one thing he always says is in America, in the Western world, we're always trying to figure out 
how do we reconcile James to what Paul is saying? Right. But actually, James was the preeminent exactly. leader. Exactly. You know, exactly. When, you, when you read Acts, it's crazy. We just went over this not too long ago yeah. in church. Yeah. You know, you had uh, this division over the Gentiles. Are they going to be expected to keep Jewish laws and right. customs? And so Paul stands up and speaks, and people listen and like, okay, okay, whatever. Peter yeah. stands up and speaks. People are like, okay, whatever. When James stands up right, and speaks, right. ends the conversation. Exactly. That's Everybody's the like, final right, word. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, that's what James said. You know, so instead of trying to reconcile what Paul says to James, we should be thinking, I'm sorry, what James says to Paul, we should right. reconcile Paul to James. Exactly. But I would say that both James and Paul are on the same page when it comes to your faith. And I'll say it like this, this is an expression that I grew up hearing all the time, uh, real recognize real. <laughs> you know, if, if, Definitely. <laughs> if, 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 if in this context, what I mean by that is that if you have genuine faith, the first thing you will do is live by it. If right. it's real, it's going to be real. Exactly. And you're going to be able to recognize exactly. it in someone else by the way that they're living. Yeah, the fruits. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, Galatians 5, 6, written by Paul, he says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But, and here's the key thing, only faith working, working. through love. Yes. And that's, that's what faith does. You know, and, and Jesus, he calls out fake faith, Sermon on the Mount. And we alluded to this, Matthew 7, Lord, Lord. Many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this and this and that for you? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you who you workers Works of, of iniquity. iniquity. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you know. Um, so uh, a, a phrase that I've heard a lot that's, that's helpful to kind of think through what's being said here is that it's faith alone that saves but the faith that saves is never alone. Mm. If you have genuine faith, you're saved by faith alone. Paul makes that clear, and James not disputing that. What James is saying, if you have real faith that you've been justified by alone, right. the faith itself will not be alone. It will exactly. produce works. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I, that's the best way I understand it. Like, of course, we're there's nothing that we can do to be made right, right before God. Um, Christ has justified us, you know, through his death and resurrection. But at the same time, if we are made right before God, there are certain things that we should be producing. Right. And it'll be natural. Yeah, I mean, it'll we, be natural. Now, there's time, right. and this is why I love Paul uses the metaphor of fruit. Yeah. When he talks about the fruit of the spirit versus the works of the yeah. flesh. Because fruit, how do you grow fruit? You 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 have to prepare the soil. Right. You plant the seeds. Right. You water it. It's and it's a process. It's process. gradual. But at, at the same time, it's also inevitable. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So that's, that's growth. And, and I think people get mixed up on how James and Paul phrase things because mm. James very clearly says, you're not justified by faith alone. You're justified by works as well. And so people say, ah, but the way he said it so blunt is he's contradicting Paul. But they're using the word justification in a different way. And it's also important to keep in mind the literary context. Remember, Paul's writing epistles that are addressing specific situations and he uses well thought out, tightly reasoned theological arguments mm. to address those situations. James is not doing that. He's not forming a very tight reasoned argument. What he's doing is calling out people's actions. He's using general proverb type wisdom to call people out. So you can't get hung up on the way things are phrased. It's a different literary uh, context. Yeah, it's not. It's not a. It's a both and. It's not verses. Right. It's right. not. You know. It's 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 faith. Um, you know, uh, producing these things, you know, for true love and faith producing uh, good works. So um, let's just kind of close it off here with some implications of James. What are some things that uh, you feel like the Spirit is telling us today right, for a current church 
um, you know, what what are some implications we can take away from or take away from James? Yeah, I mean, he covers so many different issues. Some some scholars would say that, uh, like if you watch the Bible Project video, that he right. brings up as many as twelve different topics. Hmm. Um, so I'll just highlight just a few that stood yeah. out to me. I would, you know, I like using alliteration. If y'all, if y'all been listening to the podcast long <laughs> enough, but yeah. I would say confidence, cash, and community. You know, say what? What is it? What James talking about? Cash and confidence? <laughs> yes, that's number one, confidence. And what I mean by that is confidence in who God is and His sovereignty. Hmm. Because since the garden, Satan has been tempting humanity to blame God on holding out on us, and we all have those Job moments in yeah. life where we don't want to ask God some questions. What do we do? And James, especially in the first chapter, he reminds us that God is working everything together for our good. That's the phrase that Paul uses, everything together for our good. Um, the, the phrase that James uses is that God is using all of these trials to make us perfect, right. like we said, whole right, and complete. Right. Refining, he's, yeah. Yes, he's using all of these trials to make us more like Jesus. Exactly. Now, when we think... Paul uses Romans 8.28, everything works together for our good. We often think, okay, my agendas or dreams or, or goals are going to happen somehow, exactly, some way. Exactly. But that's no, no, it's God's agenda, goal, right, and dream, which right. is for you to be exactly like him is going to work out. And, and on the surface, if you're not thinking, you may think, well, that's kind of a bum deal because that means I'll go through a bunch of suffering and all. Yeah. I guess I'll get to be more humble or something. But no, think about it. If everyone in the world was exactly like Jesus, there'd be no problems. So God is working to a perfect yeah. world. But he's starting from the inside out through our hearts. That's where it begins. Um, and, and so having confidence in God's goodness and his wisdom, it's Christianity 101. It's a sermon any preacher can preach and be heard. But it's something that we need to be reminded of over and Constantly. over and over. Yeah, so confidence. I would say cash. He talks a lot about wealth. You know, right. he, call, he puts rich people who don't care about the poor on blast he basically says that your wealth is going to rot with you yeah you know so yeah. he's very but I love it what he says in the, in the first chapter though he basically talks to the poor and to the rich he says both of them to glory in the gospel because to the poor their poverty is a gift right because it forces them to trust in God which mm. is where we grow it again everything's about faith working through love and so poverty is a gift to help you through that. Now, growing up poor, uh, public housing, yeah. you know, my dad being on social security yeah. so that I can even live, uh, state sponsored healthcare, you name it, all the public benefits. I grew up on those to survive. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me sometimes to tell myself poverty is a gift, you know, being poor or whatever, growing up that way. But it is. Mm -hmm. And I have to remind it. So those of us who are on the end of the yeah. spectrum have to remind ourselves gift. For those of us who are on the spectrum of having wealth, which technically I do and we all yeah, most we of us do in America. Yeah. Yeah. In America. yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a trap. We have to view it as a trap. Mm -hmm. We often view it in America as like success, as finally making right, it or right. like a sign of God's blessing. And it can be and it is, as James says, every good gift and perfect gift from God above. From above yeah. There's nothing wrong with wealth at all. But it can be a trap and a danger if it leads you to trusting in yourself and what James calls out if it leads you to becoming self-indulgent and, and, and you're only concerned about yourself and you're not concerned about others, which leads me mm -hmm. to the other implication, which is community. This book is all about community. Um, you know, we, we have, a, uh, and I mentioned this before, we have tendencies of judging people, talking people behind their backs. Um, we have resources that other people have in need, and we can meet that need, but we don't. Um, in our relationships, the people we spend time with and invite over, the people often that we think that can benefit us, right. or we enjoy right. being around, as opposed to those who need us 
and so they come across as needy and yeah, clean. We're yeah. like, oh, I don't want to deal with that right, right now. Right, that right. type of thing. So just be thinking, reading through the book of James and thinking, what does it look like to be in a healthy community? And what's my personal responsibility to contribute to that um, healthy community that we're living in a part of, whether it be your RC, your job, your family, the church, um, hobbies and different things like that. And, and, and use James as a mirror. Hmm. The James himself says that, you know, but be person yeah, does, yeah. Who, who, looks at, who looks at it and sees these are the areas where my life doesn't line up. Be raw, be honest with yourself yeah. and with God in prayer and then just say, okay, now how can I be a doer of the word? How can I live out my faith in such a way that I'm a blessing to the community that I'm a part of? Yeah. And it's just a book. James is just another way for another challenge to us to uh, live as this contrast community and not take these idols of our culture, um, which, yeah, cash or uh, esteeming those who are... uh, who can, uh, I guess, give us something back, right? right? Or don't require anything of us. Those are things that are present within our culture. And the book of James uh, definitely challenges us to uh, uh, to view to view those things in the, line of, in the light of the gospel and to uh, uh, not fall victim or to be aware of these idols and to constantly go against them. So, um, you know, a great book for our present day and time. And uh, like AC said, just remember to not read it just in an individualistic uh, way or uh, manner, but to just see how, um, you know, through living these things, how we can better shape and, um, you know, uh, love those around us. So I want to thank AC. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, until next time. See ya.